0: What we find out is that we all have these nuances that we think we're the only ones that do that. And then when when you start talking about it as a comedian and then you see the rest of the audience go, yeah, I do that too, or yeah, I think that way too. Or, and, and, and pushing that envelope can be really fun. All righty, welcome
1: in boys and girls. Another fantastic episode of your favorite uh, weekly Alabama politics podcast. Uh, uh, and really, the only weekly Alabama politics podcast, I think. Uh, but you know, listen, don't don't let that deter you uh, because it is fantastic. Uh, I am Josh Moon, and that is
2: David Person. There we
1: go. There we go. All right. So, um, you know what? This is going to be uh, this be our last one for the year. Uh yep. We're off next week. We're off the week after that. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. You can complain if you like, but there's it, it, it doesn't matter. We don't we don't take. Yeah, you know, suggestions. Uh, the suggestion box is closed, um, so uh, I mean, we'll take your emails, but we're not going to listen to you. Uh, so uh, this is this is what we do. We take some time off in the summer. We take some time off in the winter, and there's nothing, you know, I, there's nothing mm. wrong with that. What the hell, are you, you're not going to listen to us over the Christmas holidays, <laughs> nor should you, okay? Nor should you. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about that. I uh, I'm also uh, uh, officially boosted. Uh, at this point, oh, uh, so, yeah. yeah, Well, you know, I didn't. Was,
2: I I need to get there. I haven't done that yet. I still got to do that.
1: Yeah, I, got, I went to some went to CVS. I, I went to went <laughs> to CVS and there was uh I I somehow or another have lost my vaccine card. Uh, you know the the first one. I don't know what happened. I put it. I put it in my truck because, you know, we were taking the trip out West. Yeah. Um, And so I put it in my truck and I don't know, somewhere along the way, yeah, I guess it got tossed. I don't, I don't know. I can't, Hmm. I looked all over the place for it and I cannot find it anywhere. So I went to CVS and there was uh, the lady, it was an older black lady who was giving out the the vaccine or the booster shots. And uh, she was, she was unimpressed by my, me and my (laughs) excuses uh, and just, I mean, she she really she she gave me uh, a, real, uh, a real a real verbal lash uh, in yeah a tongue <laughs> lashing there and uh, and told me that I was very irresponsible for this and uh, and then she didn't know how my wife lives with me and I said <laughs> I don't either and she wanted to know exactly how it was that I was managing to raise children and I said right. I don't know and uh, and, that, and she said well I said you know what. I think that may have been what happened. I think maybe my daughter did something with that. And she said, and here you go, blaming your daughter for throw this. Throwing the
2: child under the bus. Uh, you
1: know, I don't, sweet I, little Andy, yeah. under the bus. <laughs> That's right. I did. Um, and and listen, I'm, not I'm not ashamed of that. Not ashamed of that. I do that a lot. Um, and we will continue. That's the reason why I had her. Uh, it's for an excuse for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, to get out of things, I can't, we got the, you know, we got the baby. We uh, can't, you know, we can't do it yeah. tonight. You know, I got the baby. Um, yeah. But it, so, but it, at the end of the day, we were able to go ahead and get the booster shot. Uh, she told me, though, that she she was only going to put the booster on my vaccine card. She was not taking my word for it
2: that I had the previous <laughs> shots. And I said, I can't blame you for this. I cannot at all. So um, they didn't even look you up? They didn't try to look you up by name in the system or anything? They, they did. I, and, and
1: that's the reason why I went to CVS was because the original one that I got had, had come from CVS. Okay. Um, and so uh, they, they knew that I was, I was legit. Uh, we, we'd actually gone through their system to, to register and so um and so yeah and i mean honestly when i started to leave i said like, all right this, you know because they make you stay until the little timer goes off out in the in the waiting area and as i my timer went off uh she poked her head out the door and said don't do anything stupid please and i mean that was really the greatest advice for me that you could have and uh, she was a so, she was a sweet lady
2: uh, So why don't you just take a picture your I, car thought it, I, I thought I did. I thought I did that.
1: That's what I, I swear to God. I thought I did that. I couldn't. I went all all back through all the eighty thousand pictures I have of my daughter on there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and uh, you know, went to the time period when I knew you know, last February, I knew that we we got the the original vaccines around that time. I I could have sworn that I took a picture of this thing, and mm. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I when I remember leaving and going out to my truck and putting it in the. Uh, in the console, in in between the seats, and I have uh, no idea. That's it. Uh, I I thought it was that. What kills me is there's stuff in there from three years ago that is, you know, I I got a receipt from an Outback from 2017 in there. but Before the the
2: pandemic.
1: Yeah, but not the vaccine card. Which How in the world that gets tossed and and the other stuff doesn't? No idea, but uh, it's life I guess. And I'm sure... Yeah, hey, listen, I'm sure I'll find it stuffed inside of something that I thought, ooh, I'll put it here so I'll, I won't lose it, uh, you know, <laughs> at some point in time. And and my mistake, here's my mistake. My mistake mm. was is I didn't tell my wife Um, it, because I kind of, I kind of at this point in my life, I kind of use her as like my cloud storage system. Mm-hmm. I'll tell her what I do with things. And so later mm. I go, hey, what did I do with, uh, you know, th- this or that? Or even to the point now where I'm like, Hey, do I like this to eat? Uh, you know, oh, we're yeah, okay. we at a restaurant. Did, did I like this the last time we were here? I, I can't remember. Uh, you know, it's so yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long uh, have you all been married? Uh, we have been married. Uh, let's see, twenty five. About four years. Four years, yeah, going on four, going on four years. Yeah.
2: Okay, so you ease up on some of the workload you're putting on her, man. You don't no, want to man, wear she's
1: got, her out. No, man. Listen, she's 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 tough. She's okay. She's good. Mm-hmm. She's doing all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I decide, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good so far.
3: Right.
1: She likes it. Yeah, she likes it. She's into that. Right. Uh, you know, speaking of workload, I wrote a column yeah. for today. Yeah. Uh, and today, by today, I mean uh, Thursday, the day in which we record this, and uh, was ran in uh, Alabama Political Reporter, which you can find at uh, alreporter.com. Um, and it was uh, it was about, uh, oddly enough, signing day. And I actually say in the column, I know it's odd for you to be reading a story about college football recruiting in a publication that is essentially for uh, political reporting. Uh, but it was more of, I thought, an encapsulation that, of what took place uh, on Wednesday with that early signing period because it was so chaotic, mm. as some coaches like to say. Uh, because there were a number of players, college, uh, high school recruits that are now going into college, that were going to be taking advantage of those name, image, and likeness deals that are now legal for them to sign. Uh, And I will point out, as Jimbo Fisher said on the Paul Feinbaum show, there was a lot of those name, image, and likeness deals that we've all been signing for years. They just weren't legal until now, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. which is true, 100%. And Anybody that watches and follows college football knows that's the case. But... What bothered me most about this was is you had a number of coaches who were upset uh because things have changed and it's not just about uh you know, their under the table deals or things like that. Uh and now there's a lot of things out in the open uh that players can look at and weigh that are not just based around, you know, uh, a stupid game room or, you know, w a, a training facility uh for players. Um, and they can make a decision on their futures at colleges based on what's the best fit for them, what you know what which college might give them the best opportunity, and now which colleges can sign them to uh monetary deals. And they're gonna make they're gonna make legit money now off of this stuff I mean the, the number one recruit the one the one that sent the most shockwaves was the number one recruit in America going to play at Jackson State University in Mississippi for Deion Sanders and the rumor there is that he's gonna have a nice uh fat contract with Barstool sports uh that's gonna pay him upwards uh you know into the high set six figures, possibly seven figures um uh hmm. to to go to that school and play and you know. Good for that kid. They, yeah. and, and people, this is my problem. People, normal people, normal oh. fans like me, guys that get up and go to work every day and uh, do this, we're pissed. And it just, it, it, it is to me, it's this attitude that we have where we're, we're tearing down each other uh, and instead of sticking up for one another, that you know what, if you'd stood up before, these kids wouldn't have been you know, we wouldn't have been hustling now to get name image and likeness deals under the table or mm-hmm. you know for this to be such a dramatic change all of a sudden. This kids always should have been getting paid. Nick Saban makes 10 million dollars a year coaching this sport and they bought him a house at the University of Alabama. They give him cars. They, mm-hmm. you know, they he he got a country club membership at two different country clubs. You mm-hmm. know, he can play on any golf course in America and they pay for it. it and he
2: gets endorsement deals.
1: Yes, and, he's, yeah. and you're right, but on come Every five minutes for Aflac on every Mm -hmm. damn sports uh, Mm -hmm. game that you watch. And so all of these things have been going on for years for all of these top coaches and all of their assistant coaches that are making millions of dollars now, too. And this idea that somehow or another, it's an abomination that the players, the guys that are out there busting their asses and working for this, and most of most of whom come from very disadvantaged backgrounds most of whom owe $50,000 in the bank, is going to help their families so much more than another uh, endorsement for Nick Saban. Or yeah, and I use Nick Saban because he's the you know he's the highest and he's the most right. popular guy and and listen I'm not discounting what Nick Saban's doing. Of course I think he's a great football coach. Of course I think he's been great yeah. for the University of Alabama. And, yeah. You know this is not a knock on him either. He's worked no. his ass off to do this and he's getting paid. Why are you begrudging the players? And it's so, the same way at the at the lower levels with workers. Why are you so, begrudging each other?
2: So the reason is I think. Because despite all of our rhetoric about uh, the glories and beauty of capitalism, mm-hmm. we don't actually believe in capitalism. What we believe in is a a uh, is what I would call a hier- hierarchical meritocracy that is is based on a concept of supremacy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, normally I might be saying white supremacy, but in this case. I'm going to I'm going to broaden that a little bit and say white supremacy, and then also um, I'm going to say um, authority supremacy. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll just use that for now. Elitism to extent. Elitism, point. yes. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's 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 white supremacy and elitism sort of combined, and it and it reminds me of the title of Bill Roden's book. Bill Roden, who used to write columns for the mm-hmm. New York Times sports columns title of his book was $40 Million Slave. Mm -hmm. $40 Million Slave. And I I think that's really what we're dealing with here, because in a truly capitalist society, who would have a problem with these young men and young women, as the case may be, uh, being able to take advantage of an opportunity to monetize their talent? Mm -hmm. And especially when you're talking about college football, which... Is a beautiful game, but it's also a dangerous game. Yes, it is. It's a dangerous game. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like there would be even more of a of a desire to to see these young people who, due to injury, could lose every future opportunity to monetize not only their athletic gifts, but perhaps even just their lives. Mm-hmm. Because you know, of the danger of the game, there ought to be provisions made for them. Mm -hmm. I still think that even these uh, NIL deals, as well, I think this is an improvement. I still think that every school needs to issue these young people if they're not already doing it, and I don't think they are. At least I'm not aware of them doing it. They They ought to be issuing... Life insurance policies and other policies to them, so that if they if they get injured, they have at least a guarantee of of some kind of money to help yeah, they, them get started in they life do that after putting they, it on the line for these colleges
1: yeah they they do that um there are there are insurance policies for for a number of the players, but that's uh, not they, widespread they, though uh no and it, it it's certainlys not institutional
2: lot. Right. No,
1: no, it's it's not something that they have to do. It's not something that, you know, that that See, is, is all that common. Yeah. It that should be. be You're right. built into the system. You're 100% correct. Um and and you know, and and it's a uh, but it is a a more common practice today than it was in, in the past and mm-hmm. uh but no, you're you're 100% right on 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 all of it though. It's um and and but my bigger point of all of this is we we do this. We don't it's not just Unique to to college football, um, this is something that we do in in life uh, outside of that in in average life. You you saw this with the with the stuff that went on with the Birmingham or the Bessemer Amazon plant. Uh, you know when they mm-hmm. were talking about unionizing and, and the thing and the the coal plant, uh, the war the Warrior uh, coal plant. Uh, you know this, they we we have somehow or another attacked these people, uh, bef- because we believe. That they're not appreciative enough of the job, mm. you know, and you hear that a lot from people. Well, you know, they just got to go to work and shut their mouth. You know, they're always wanting something for nothing, and and no it's the, we have the the most absurd viewpoint of this, and where we have been, so many people have been convinced that there's this. I don't, I don't even know how to how to define it. That there, there's some pride taken in doing a hard job for little pay. And and if you speak up, somehow you're a weaker person for for that or or you're morally questionable.
2: Don't you think we've been conditioned to believe in this idea of, well, you've got to pay your dues? Yes. So when we think somebody has jumped the line, you Mm -hmm. know, and has gotten an advantage, you know, the next generation, you know, of college players now. Or, the, or this generation of college players now, has sort of jumped the line. You know, they yeah. haven't had to pay their dues and suffer. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even though the truth of the matter is there never should have been, once, once college, especially football and basketball, but once college athletics became basically, became commodified, uh-huh. you know, it should have been, the, the players should have been automatically benefiting. But again, yes. I go back to Bill Roden. The $40 million slaves concept, the idea that the that the hierarchical structure is almost plantation like Mm -hmm. you got the masters at the top benefiting the most, the coaches and whomever. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the players, the ones who are really doing the work that makes the money that fuels the industry of college sports who get squat. Yeah, that's capitalism in America. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: And you know what? But look at look at other top industries around, you know, look at the look at the gap. this it's just widening gap between CEO and executive pay and worker pay. And and and, and, you know, and so we've this mindset is is just kind of permeates everything in our society at this point. And Mm. we've got to we've got to stop this among ourselves. We've got to stop tearing people down because they stand up and say, you know what, Damn it! I'd like to have a a, a better piece of this uh, profit. You know, yeah. I would like to have what's what's rightfully mine. I would like to be able to pay my bills, go on a nice vacation with the family, you know, not have to go to sleep worrying every damn night or taking a second job uh, just to pay the normal bills, the, the rent, the mortgage, the you know, whatever. And it just is. It drives me insane to watch people attack other working people like this and and I, and I just i can't get past it man it just i mean if we it's like the union argument
3: about this if the union weren't wasn't better for the workers, the company wouldn't be fighting it, you know.
1: If, if if what, you know, when you, the, the Amazon folks went in at Bessemer and started this and they kept saying, well, you don't need this union over here. We'll, we'll do X and X and X for you. And don't even worry about that because we'll, we'll take care of it. Well, if it's no big deal, then why, if it's, if it's not a better deal for you, then why in the hell are they fighting it? You know, because they know what they know is, is when that union is formed, then certain laws in this country take, pl- go, go into effect at that point. And Those laws will guarantee that the workers will receive a certain percentage of the profits, of the profits of the company, something that is negotiated fairly between the union leaders and the the executives at the company. They will negotiate out to make sure that you always receive a fair portion of the profits that ups your pay yearly, ups your benefits keeps things in line with what the company is earning. So maybe your profits aren't going to send some asshole billionaire to the space next week. You know, right? right, what what do you think would be better use? Jeff Bezos going to the edge of space, or maybe you being able to pay the car payment this month. Exactly. You know, and that's what drives me insane. And somehow people, real people, and I see this all the time. And there's people commenting on my story about this. That you know that well now maybe those players should uh, should pay their own way through college. What fuck are you talking about?
3: Right. You know. Right. What are you talking right.
2: about?
1: You. Why are you mad at them?
2: Again, I'm, I keep telling you this. We have been. It, <clears throat> your outrage is very well placed. But again, <laughs> I think what you're doing is you are kicking against a well-established cultural mindset that has been so deeply ingrained in us as a society. You know, you've gotta work hard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or you'll be despised if you find a if you find a workaround. You've mm-hmm. gotta pay your dues, or you'll be despised if if the if you find a workaround. And and they're just supposed to be some people struggling at the bottom. I think yeah. that's deeply embedded in us that uh that uh you know, it's almost as though capitalism requires it. And yeah. it's not capitalism unless somebody unless there's somebody to look down on, somebody who's suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're hundred percent right. And and it's like listen, I love a good uh pulled himself up by his bootstrap story and mm. you know, overcome obstacles story. I love those stories. I mean they're great and i and I appreciate people that do that, but I I don't think that ought to be the feature here of of the system, you know, right. that shouldn't be what we, we shouldn't be trying to throw shit at people constantly because let me tell you, uh, the CEO, uh, most likely was not the original CEO It's most likely somebody in the family, uh, you know, that, uh, that took over for somebody else, uh, that just walked down a golden uh, pathway, uh, right into this office and never struggled a day in his life. <laughs> and, and nobody has a problem with that at all. No. Um, you know and so in
2: fact everybody wants to be that right yeah <laughs> right yeah
1: yeah and and it, i mean this we we we've, we've done this we've done two two things i think that are uh-huh. that are really killing us uh, at the you know the, the actual working people is is number one we attack each other over uh you know somebody like you said not paying their dues uh you know uh, and and, you know, and then we've also taken this this mindset of well these people you know that's that that's going to be me one day You know, that's, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be that person one day and, you know, and I'm going to get there and yeah, it's uh, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's bogus, man. It's bogus. Live your life.
2: So I got to ask you before we, we run out of time on this segment, I got to ask you one quick question. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a part of this larger discussion about college football and what's happened. I want to take it back to Deion Sanders. Um, Do you believe that Deion Sanders, ultimately, in his role at Jack State, that he is having a good impact on college football, or do you think he's having a negative impact on college football?
1: I think, uh, so I I, I separate this out. Um, I think, because I covered uh, SWAC football yeah. for a number of years, covering yeah. HBCUs at uh, Tuskegee uh, and at Alabama State for a long time. Um, loved it. Loved it. I, it was, as I've said to many people, uh, it was some of the most fun that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I really love the people and, and appreciate the education that I received uh, in doing that. Um, I think that what Deion Sanders is doing for HBCUs is fantastic. Uh, I think that he has sure. changed uh, the, the image of things. I think he has forced change within those HBCUs that needed to happen. Uh, he's brought light to a lot of negatives that have dogged HBCUs for years and embarrassed a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, but had the standing to do so. And so he didn't mind saying this stuff about how cheap they were about not putting the names on the uniforms and, uh, how, you know, you go to certain stadiums and they're, they're absolute shitholes and you go to certain places and they needed to do better with this thing and to pay, uh, I believe it was Alcorn. He offered to pay their training staff because they weren't, they didn't have any trainers to take care of, of the athletes down there. Those things needed to have a light shown on them. Um, and in addition to that, He also has brought a positive light, I think, to it's always been a mystery to me why more kids, more top recruits, uh, you know, black players did Mm -hmm. not go to HBCUs, at least on visits and come to have some understanding of what that life would be like, because I would think. That it would be particularly appealing for a lot of younger black players to go into that environment there, where there is so much, um, there's there's so much history and so much um, support, Mm. and and so much understanding of their lives that they don't receive on a a predominantly at a predominantly white college. And um, right. in, in around the country. Now, I'm not saying they're mistreated or anything like that at, at the Auburns in Alabama. Certainly they're not. That's not the case at all. And in a lot of cases, they, they receive a lot better benefit from some of those things that, you know, in terms of the training staff and the money that goes into the programs. But I do think that there is just this environment there that I, you know, I've been around a lot of players and a lot of players who transferred from larger schools back into Alabama state, for example, and the man, they loved it. They mm-hmm. loved that the atmosphere and the kind of close knit community that was created uh, at that school. Now they didn't like a lot of the things that Deion Sanders don't like, doesn't like about right. the swipe, the small school football uh, aspect of things uh, and some of the problems that were, that were present. But, but um, I, I, just, I just think that, that what he has done has ha, w- will change things and it will open up that possibility for other players and it will spark something, in hopefully, in a lot of these other HBCUs to pursue avenues outside of the norm uh, that will lure some of the top players to these schools and maybe it will change things for the future because I, I think those, those HBCUs are important. I uh, said it a lot of times here the the work that a and m uh, Alabama a and m and ASU and tuskegee and miles and and so many others in this mm-hmm. state do um in terms of of community education and community support it it's it's unmatched by yeah. any other college in this state. I don't care wh- which one you're talking about and and they deserve to have uh what everything that's coming to them.
2: Well, as, a, as a, an, alum, an alum of two HBCUs, Oakwood University and Alabama A&M University, both of which are in Huntsville, graduate of Oakwood University, didn't graduate from Alabama A&M, but attended, I shout and second and ditto everything he said.
1: Oh well, thank you, thank you. It's, uh, I, I just you know I, I hope that it, it does what I think it will. Uh, but I think he he opened up some eyes, and and I think that he's changed that Jackson program. You know, it, it'll it'll never be the same after Dion. And I think a lot of people were skeptical of him. Uh, I've loved everything he's done there. I think he's he's been right, and I think people who have criticized him were either part of the problems originally. Uh, or were from on the outside and didn't understand what he's talking about. And, you know, having, having been there, having been on the road, listen, listen let me tell you, take you a night trip to Alcorn, Mississippi sometime, bro.
4: Mm. <laughs>
1: and, uh, mm. uh I had, I literally had to wait on cattle to cross in front of me at one oh. point. Um, and, and I'm not knocking it, but, and that was in the days before the, the fancy smartphones and man, it was a, uh, it was a different place. Uh, mm. You you didn't have cell phone service. I I literally had to call the office on a landline uh, wow. to to turn in the story and stuff. But yeah, it's a it's a. Uh, I hope it I hope it works out. And and I wish that people would would stop with this nonsense with with other working folks too. So. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's slide out. We're gonna get uh, comedian Dino Posey in here. Uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, brighten man. up uh, brighten up your your Christmas time uh, here. To have a few laughs and uh, and talk comedy with Dino. Uh, we'll be back. Alabama Politics this week.
2: Welcome back to Alabama Politics this week. David Person, Josh Moon, and we are very pleased. To have uh, uh, someone I've just gotten to know uh, this year during the pandemic, one of the funniest men in Alabama who also uh, is an executive vice president in the financial industry here in Alabama. And uh, we're being vague about that because depending upon what he may say today <laughs> on this show, it, you know, his, uh, his job may end up Wait being on the line. We, so we're trying we to give do that? as much cover we, as we, we can, can. We can do that?
1: I, maybe I should have been more vague about where I work. I didn't know that was a possibility.
2: Yeah. 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 You know, sometimes we have to, uh, we have to hide the names to protect the, the guilty and the innocent. Uh, Dino Posey is with us. Stand up comedian and banking executive. Dino, what's happening, man?
0: Hey, listen, thank you guys so much for allowing me to join this platform. And if we're going to talk about politics, the word vague comes to mind sometimes (laughs) anyway. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) If if you listen to a lot of politicians when they talk, they they are Mm -hmm. extremely vague. So I felt it apropos for me to be a little bit vague too. Uh, I also wanted to take this opportunity on this platform to announce my candidacy for not governor or lieutenant governor, but I want to be captain governor of the state of Alabama. Okay. <laughs> if there's such a role, <laughs> I want to exactly be captain governor. governor.
2: <laughs> so what would that so what would that entail, Dino? Being Captain Governor. Uh,
0: being Captain Governor would entail just fixing a lot of the foolishness that we have going on around it because Captain Governor would not be an official role or title. So I don't have to uh necessarily bend and weave to constituencies so much I can just run around and kind of do Hold on, that sounds kind of like the government yeah. too, though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. I digress. I digress. I
2: digress. Yeah. So 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 let me ask you, um and, and I know Josh is gonna <clears throat> have some uh provocative <laughs> questions for you, but I, I wanna I wanna get I wanna get one in right off the top here. When you look at the state of Alabama politics, that's what this podcast is about. Alabama politics, that's all we, well, that's not all we talk about, but everything ultimately for us comes back to politics in Alabama. As a comedian, what's some of the funniest, craziest stuff you've seen uh, as a comedian when you look at Alabama
0: politics? Okay, so first I got to say this. Um, the views of Dino Poser, are <laughs> his and his alone. They do not reflect the views <laughs> or opinions of any organization. Entity that he is associated with. (laughs) Uh, Send all your emails to nowhere. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of stuff that's funny in Alabama politics, and and you can look at it at the local level, on the state level. And and so we see some of the bigger stuff. Um, You know, I I think the Love Gov comes to Mm. mind just (laughs) initially because. Who knew that that old dude could yeah. even get a girlfriend? <laughs> like, there's part of us that should be kind of happy for him right there. But go ahead.
3: Go ahead. That,
0: that was an interesting situation um, that comes to mind. And then there's so many, if you go back to our political history of uh, reelecting George Wallace, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then the whole Siegelman and, um, Richard Scruci situation is like those things get mm-hmm. really, really interesting. And, and the, uh, the fact that Richard Scruci got out early, but for some reason Siegelman got kept in place and you can go in my home city of Birmingham, Alabama and Larry Lankford going to jail because he got a lot of clothes <laughs> bought for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, got, he got a lot of nice shirts out of the deal, mm-hmm. but that cost him some jail time. And so, um, The good thing for you guys being in Alabama is that there is so much politics stuff to talk about that gets very interesting from a comedian standpoint, it gets funny because here in Birmingham, we had uh, Mayor Bell who uh, he and one of the council members, and and both of these guys are friends of mine, got Mm. into a little scuffle. And it was right before or after around the time of the Deontay Wilder fight here in Birmingham, so, my first joke out of the out of the gate was, when you guys said y'all were committed to bringing fighting to Birmingham, I didn't realize how committed y'all were. <laughs> yeah,
4: <exactly. laughs> that thing is a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: even if you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Right, right, right.
1: <laughs> that's a, that's pretty good. Hey, you know, I, I did. I don't. I don't know. Know that I have any provocative. Uh, questions necessarily for you, but I mean, I, it is interesting what you do. Uh, to me anyway, because I I'm a big fan of of stand up comedy. Uh, and and have been for uh, as long as I can remember, and and so it's always interesting to me to listen to people talk about. How they first of all got into that, and 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 you know decided this was something that you wanted to do or that you were even good at, uh, and and then kind of the process that you go through with it. But I guess first, how did how did you get into stand up comedy? What was your what was your first gig? What you know what
0: what made you think that hey this might be for me? So it was strictly by, I won't call it accident, but okay. How many people we got listening? I can, I can well, just us thousands. right now. I mean, just us. Right now. <laughs> so, just us. So I can talk. So, but ultimately, I thousands. At, yeah. I was at church. I was at church. Josh and uh-huh. a lady approached me about buying tickets to a a, a Kiwanis banquet. And she said, "Hey, we're going to have this very formal banquet. and We're going to have food, and we're going to have a band, and we're going to have all this great stuff." And she told me I was, how much the tickets were, and I could not afford those tickets. And so I asked her in church, I said, Are y'all gonna have a comedian? And she said, No, nah, we're not gonna have a comedian. I said, Well, I'm a stand up comedian. Now, I lied in church <laughs> because I was not, <laughs> I had never performed anywhere. Uh, it's never okay. God works anywhere. in mysterious ways. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <tell you>. so, <laughs> let him use you, Josh. Let him use you.
4: <laughs> and so I told that
0: lady that I was a stand up comedian, and I gave her my card, and I thought, nothing of it and like a week later she called me she was like uh we got approved to have a comedian for the event so i can give you two tickets uh to perform and i was like oh crap and i wasn't (laughs) in church at this point so i could say what i wanted to say (laughs) Um, and so i literally took a day off from work to work on 15 minutes of material and I got up and did it. I invited, you know, my wife was there with me. Some friends were there with me. I got up and did it and I didn't stink. And so I started to do it again and again, and I got a little local buzz going. There was a newspaper article about me being a banker and a comedian. And Mm -hmm. I get a call at work one day from this uh, beautiful older lady. uh, And she was active in Alabama politics. You guys may be familiar with the name here in Birmingham. Her name is Ella McClain. She passed a couple of years ago. very nice lady, but she called. So she saw the article about me. She called her banker because she had a lot of money in bank. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, but she called her banker and had him find me. And I get a call that says, Hey, this is Ellen uh, McLean, and I want you to come and do an event for my church. How much do you charge? I said, Ma'am, let me put you on hold. <laughs> because nobody <laughs> ever paid me before. Right. And I didn't know what the sale was. Right. And so right. I came up with the price. I entered some other contests, and I started winning contests. And I um, opened for Steve Harvey. I won a contest here at the Stardome, which is one of the best comedy clubs in America. I won their competition back in 2010, 2011, and it's just been a blessing to be able to do this because it's cool to be this mild-mannered banker by day, and then in the evening, Josh, I turn into a superhero because yes, I take right. I get rid of these button-down shirts. And mm-hmm front lace pants and all this kind of stuff. And I grabbed like an earring, put it in my ear and I right. got some other britches, cool hat. And then it's showtime. Right. <laughs>
3: I,
1: I, but I want to go back to, to something you said there. Cause you, you were talking about, you, you said you had to put together 15 minutes of, of material for the, for oh, the yeah. little banquet. What, what was that like? I mean, how, how did you come up with 15 minutes? I mean, did you watch other people? Did you have a, you know, did you have a, a, a something in mind already that you wanted to do or was it just completely from scratch?
0: So I'm going to go back. I, I literally tried to do comedy, maybe 10 years before that I did and open my and my wife came and I was terrible. Uh, and, and my brother has never seen me perform live since I was that bad.
4: <laughs> I ain't coming. I ain't
1: coming no more, he's man. Like, I, can't that that man. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. He
0: was like, that one night I had enough. And so, <laughs> it sounds like my brother. The funniest, thing my about brother. Me, the funniest thing about me is him recalling that night. We can call him right now. So What's the funniest thing you ever saw? You know, that night you bomb. But right. I, I was a fan of comedy. I watched Steve Harvey. I watched Cedric. Gander. I watched everybody. I watched Carlin. I watched everybody. And so because I believe it's a gift, I always thought of funny things. And so when it came time for that, I I had stuff in mind, Josh, that I already kind of wanted to talk about. And for me, it was about putting it together in a manner that it was seamless. So I could go from one subject to another. And I won't say that, you know, I had everybody just falling out in the aisles, but I didn't stink. And That was the key that kind of gave me inspiration and, and thought that okay I can continue to do this and made me work a little bit more in terms of writing it in a certain style that I can remember and tell and and you know going a little further with it. So that's a great yeah, question. Yep. Y'all are journalists. Well, it's
1: it's just always the. The kind of the artistry of of stand up comedy, uh, uh, it has always been really interesting to me because I, 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 there's a guy that that I really like a lot now, Nate Bargatze, uh, who's out of Nashville, um, gotta look and, him up. and uh, he, he's he's had a couple of Netflix specials. He's a really really funny guy, and but you can go back and watch some of his earlier stuff, like you know from ten years ago or so, and it's not what he is now and it's you know and you watch those people who kind of polish that 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 routine and those sets and if they find the things that work together and put together you know this this set of material that that flows so well and then and then they change it up and you know I, i've listened to seinfeld talk about this stuff too seinfeld and steve harvey uh yeah. on the comedians and cars getting coffee or whatever it is and uh but it's you know it's it is a it's a craft and, and you have to be smart and you have to be funny. I mean, but you know, part of being funny is
0: being smart, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And so it, it's, it's a confidence game as well because it's a one-sided conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it's the coolest job because you're going to get paid to go up in front of people and talk about whatever you want to talk about. They have no idea. It's not like the audience says, we want you to talk about this and that. And so they have no idea, but you've got to make it funny and engaging. And throughout my career, I've been doing this a little over 16 years now. I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing folks. And I I work with Sinbad for two weeks solid. Nice. I'm I'm sitting in the wing every night and this dude is doing an hour and a half to two hours, which is kind of unheard of. Most folks do 45 minutes an hour. Mm-hmm. He's doing an hour and a half to two hours. And every night is different.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah. Every That's, night is
1: different. Man, we and went to, we went to Huntsville and watched, uh, watch Seinfeld and he was on for 90 minutes. And one of the funniest things he said was, Hey, if you were me, would you be here? I mean, like, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah. but you got, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the work that they put into this and, and the pride that they take in it.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell no. you something about Sinbad, too. Uh, uh, I don't know if it, I'd like to know if you picked up on this. <clears throat> he has, I've watched him. I'm a big stand up guy like Josh is, and I'm intrigued with the art of it, which is why, Josh, I was giving you the thumbs up when you asked that question, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sinbad. Uh, apparently builds into his set a lot of improvisation. So it doesn't seem as though what he does is uh, so much a prepared, a uh, originally right. prepared routine. It may be sort of loosely outlined. And then he also incorporates a lot of audience interaction where he he plays off the audience. Is that mm-hmm. what you saw? And is that how nope. you saw
0: it? Day, that's exactly as I saw it. So I'm, I'm literally the radio artists can't see me, but I'm literally sitting back there in the back wings with my hands in my head, just watching this. Like, cause this is like a master class for me. There's no, they say if you got to go to school to be a comedian, then you're not really a comedian. Right. But <laughs> to watch other comedians and watch them work, that's your master class. And so you're exactly right. He leaves room. I call it leaving room for cream.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He leaves a little room in the cup for cream, and so. One night after doing an hour and a half of killing the audience, he says, anything y'all want to talk about? And a lady says, dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. Dirty laundry. The funniest 30 minutes on dirty clothes I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) And I'm sitting there watching like, where does he get this now? He will tell you that he has ADD. Mm-hmm. but he's the only person that I've seen use it to his advantage like that because his mind just flows and goes around. So he doesn't have to stay on something long. I, I mm-hmm. gotta be focused. He recognizes that he can't stay focused and he uses it to his advantage. So, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about the Kevin Hart's and Dave Chappelle's and and you'll hear this story or probably heard this story that Sinbad gave Dave Chappelle some of his first breaks, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but, he is one of the comedy legends, comedy greats, man. Just because he can just go.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: that's it. Sinbad was one of my original favorites uh, that when I was growing up. He was he was one of my guys, and and that that audience interaction thing, man. There are some people who can do it, like Rickles, uh, you know, and there are others yeah. who just need to leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and they recognize that it's a it's a it's a you know it's another piece of a, it's a skill set. You know, if you have it, you have it, and if
0: you don't, you don't. You don't. I'll tell no. you what's interesting about that, Josh, is that you're exactly right. You either got to have it or you don't because there are funny people everywhere. And so mm-hmm. you start yeah. interacting with the audience and there happens to be a guy that might be funnier than you and he will take your show. And so you you
3: can't <laughs> jump into
0: that and not be confident. You, yeah. you, you, you can't. And I'm 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 not that confident. I, I like the audience to, to leave me alone, and I'm gonna leave them alone. And right. Let's just all have a right. good time because uh, that that's a conf- That's yeah. a part of that confidence game, as well. Yeah, you mess around, so and I will have your spot I, at the
1: start on next week. That's right. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I got a, I got a hypothesis for you, Dino. Okay. So Hold on, I got my up
0: first yeah,
2: it, <laughs> so in my in my experience, I think there's a very thin line between good preaching and good stand up comedy in my in my opinion, the very best stand up comics are almost preachers i'm and I'm not saying they believe in God, don't believe in God, but I'm talking about. There's a sort of a sermonic aspect to what they do, the best ones, like Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, even Sinbad, who, by the way, is the, is the son of a Pentecostal preacher, right? And then I've also noticed that the very best preachers have, many times have, on some level, comedic ability, comedic timing, comedic phrasing. And, and they're good storytellers like comics. And I, and I want you to look up, there's a guy, he's dead now, Seventh-day Adventist preacher named Walter Pearson, P-E-A-R-S-O-N, almost like my, my last name. That guy, in my opinion, was a stand-up comedian, but he was a preacher by profession, but he was really a stand-up comedian. But what do you think about my
0: hypothesis? Dave, I am so jealous of you right now that you know that. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why. Because I just put that together. I went to see one of my favorites is Earthquake. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen him a couple of times, but I went to see him um, about a month ago. And when I go to watch comedians, I'm watching them for enjoyment, but I'm also watching them. Again, it's my masterclass. It's my training. And so I start to notice him hitting this preacher cadence that you talk about. And I'm going, comedians call it tagging, where you tell a joke and then you you keep saying some other stuff on top of it. And the audience, the laugh goes to a crescendo and about the time they're about to stop laughing, you say something else and you get them back up and and you got them to where they almost can't breathe. And I was watching him do that and and it clicked on me. I was like, that's church that is church. And and I was, I've never been able to do that. And I, and I wondered how to do it. And when I saw him do it, I was like, ah, that's how you do it. And so (laughs) I've always put together the two that preachers are comedians and comedians are preachers, but I didn't know how to put it together. And I'm sitting there watching earthquake. And literally I can show you the note in my phone that I wrote down. It's like, ah, this is how you do it. And, And I'm looking at how much time he gives them to breathe in between. And so when you go to uh church and the preacher gets into that hoop and he, uh, 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 he gives them just enough time for them to say, yeah, amen. All right. Mm. <laughs> and then he keeps going. <laughs> so that is very, very true. And when you can master that skill to where you have, number one, you got to have good content, good material, but then, you literally can put an audience where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And so,
3: mm-hmm.
0: as much fun mm-hmm. as there is to this industry, there's a lot of science behind it, too. I call it science, at least anyway. Um, so, do you,
1: um, I, I watched, like I said, I've watched some of the YouTube stuff uh, uh, from you. Um, and, but I, I, I couldn't tell how much, uh, do, do you do any political stuff? Um and, and do you try to work in any current events uh, stuff, even if it's not political things? Do you do, you do that, or is it more of an observationist
0: of, of everyday life? So I was on tour with R&B group after seven. We were in D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And so I never performed at this place in D.C., so I go out and I tell the audience, look, I just need y'all to give me just a few minutes. Y'all gave that other guy four years. Uh, I just need a few minutes. <laughs> 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 Certainly, y'all can give me a few minutes. And so Mm -hmm. um, if if something political is really, really big, I'll delve into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to stay away from politics (laughs) to a certain degree just because it can be such a polarizing situation. And at the end of the day, I I look at it like this, Josh, people have paid a ticket to see me to be entertained. Mm -hmm. Um, And unless I can wrap my views and opinions in a very entertaining way that doesn't Polarize them they actually came to this show to get away from the news or some of this or at least to get a different perspective on it so yeah. current events are always interesting and when we can work those in we work those in because it's what what i'm looking for is what are those things that everybody in this audience is going to have in common that i can bring out the mm-hmm. other challenge that i think with comedians especially today with the cancel culture um mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. is that a comedian's role, in my opinion, is to highlight something that we all may have a feeling about, but do it in such a way that makes us think about it from another perspective, but doesn't challenge us to be aggressive about it. And so if we're talking about mm. um, you know, you can pick a subject, we're talking about gun control. Mm-hmm. A comedian should be able to have the opportunity to talk about it, but talk about it in a fun and enlightening way that simply makes that pushes the conversation on down the road. Right. Not that they should always pick a side or or you know divide the audience, but let me present this in such a way that is fun and funny.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And now if y'all want to talk about it later, then y'all talk about it later. Because you you can do any subject and I've seen it happen you can do subject about eating meat, uh, having a cookout and there are going to be some vegans in the audience. They're going to get up and walk out yeah, <laughs> right. because yeah. They, hey, they don't eat hey, meat. And hey, they, hey. You know, they think the thought of killing an animal to eat it is a bad uh, thing. To- yeah. You see, you see Dave's turned his camera off.
4: That's uh, awesome. hey, hey, hey. Yeah, he's
0: uh, he's uh, that's he's his, that's his vegan vegans, response he's uh, to, the meat, vegan. to the meat. To the meat, listen, I, I got none but love for the vegans. That's healthy. I'm thinking <laughs> about doing it. I'm thinking about doing it myself. Yeah, I'm going. Not me. I'm going the other way. This, I'm vegetarian. Listen, this eating ain't working out for me. This is what put this extra forty pounds on me. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 I, I, no, I, I agree. It's a uh, it's a uh, it, I can understand that, you know, and and there are a lot of even among I listen, like I said, I listen to a lot of interviews with with comedians, uh, you know, some of the some of the greats that are out there, the Seinfelds and and Chappelle's and stuff. And they and they talk about, you know, what their decision making and in, in, in coming up with whether or not to use certain things. And 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 it's always a choice of can I make this funny? It's not, am I going to change somebody's mind uh, with this? Because most often you're not. But you can, you know, you can further that, that conversation. You can make people think about it in a different way, maybe, uh, and, and laugh about it. Or the, I, to me, to me, the ultimate goal of a comedian uh, would have to be to make people laugh at themselves, uh, you know, and that that to me would be the, the greatest accomplishment to have a room full of people basically laughing at themselves.
0: What what we find out is that we all have these nuances that we think we're the only ones that do that. <laughs> and then when when you start talking about it as a comedian and then you see the rest of the audience go, yeah, I do that, too. Or, yeah, <laughs> I think that way, too. Or, and 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 pushing that envelope can be really fun. There's a comedian you guys may have seen him, Corey Holcomb. Mm hmm. He pushes that envelope so far and, and you're sitting there laughing going, I mean, you laugh before you recognize and then you go, I shouldn't be laughing at that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that that's not funny. Well, yes right. it is. Yeah. <laughs> and So, so um,
2: I, I was, uh, I was in Birmingham, me and, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, ex-wife number two, we went to, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just just recounting the facts, gentlemen. That's all. Just the facts. Wait, look, when it so, gets uh, easy to
0: remember numbers instead of names, that's a high body count. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember her name, but she was the third one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we all have to have a system. Everybody's got a system. That's my system. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, me and ex-wife number two, we went to uh, Birmingham to see Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, uh, I'm going back now to your point about feeling guilty about laughing at something. This guy, Dave Chappelle, and I think he's a genius, by the way. He's standing, he's standing there on the stage smoking a cigarette. He looks down, he sees in the front row this, of this woman, he sees in the front row this, wom- this woman who has um, I guess, well, he, he, he thinks her feet are sexy, and he he does a whole riff on how he would love to get her after the show backstage <laughs> and do things to her feet I mean, <laughs> I mean it was it was hilarious, and at the same time it was like. Should I be laughing at this <laughs> but it was hilarious, man. It was brilliant, even in its so, in its nastiness it was brilliant, you know,
0: Josh, that's when I think Dave looked down at number two's feet and said, "No, nah, you ain't gonna make this." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I got to give me number three, three with some
0: better feet, man. But <laughs> I don't see the same thing in your feet, yeah. feet. <laughs> 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 today. Uh, uh, they got some here. I've I been looking at the wrong body parts. I've been looking uh, at uh, <laughs> uh, uh, You ain't gonna make it. You get back uh, to Huntsville. So we done. Uh, <laughs>
4: uh,
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. D- guys like Dave Chappelle they have earned the right to where audiences will listen to their opinion unadulterated um and so and mm. and, and i have nothing but appreciation for that so because people know them they kind of know what to expect and so they they have what i call this comedic grace and that folks will sit and listen to them for guys that are not as well known guys like myself we have to earn that right to say whatever it is we want to say mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just this guy that has some opinion that I may or may not agree with. And depending on whether I agree with it or not determines whether I think it's funny or not. And so I, I am so much in celebration of guys like Dave, Chappelle, Chris Rock, who have, have paid their dues. And now, you know, cause Dave's getting all this flack about his latest special, and, you know, you can agree with the disagree with that. I personally didn't see anything wrong with it. I think he was trying to explain a position and he explained it in a very funny way. Um, but he has earned the right that he can have that subject and and push the narrative um, beyond that through that platform. So that's like, that's the place I want to be And So we talked about this day job that I got um, and it pays the bills, Josh. It pays mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the bills. How many my body every now and then, and so, but that that kind of keeps me in place from saying some of the stuff I really want to say. <laughs> and so every now, every now and then I want to get booked in some place, <laughs> some podunk our town where there's uh-huh. nobody that knows me, and just let it be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I was I mean, gonna. want to go. I want to go for about forty-five minutes, and they go, "How long is that truck gonna back up?" Because all right. I hear is beats. Right. Yeah, it's a.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Did you have a set number in mind of money that you need in the bank for you can just let it go?
0: Yeah, man, it, it, it's it's some double-digit millions, man. It's some double-digit millions. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, on some, on some days, mm-hmm. six, six digits will do it. Some days. Right. <laughs> i tell you this story josh this is kind of funny i opened for steve harvey here in birmingham at the uh at the bjcc at the time it was the biggest audience i had worked worked for it was like thirty five hundred people i was mm-hmm. excited and hyped. and then the next night i was doing an event in a guy's garage <laughs> he had he had built he had yeah he had built what? They, he had built a garage out behind his house but when I walked through the door, it looked like a club. There was a stage, there was a bar, there was a little Hmm. kitchenette, and there was tables and seating. And I'm thinking, 3,500 last night at the BJCC, tonight, 10 people in here. (laughs) I don't think I know any of them. And and, and, And let's say it was 10 people, and then like five other comedians that I know locally. And so I was like, you know what? I'm cussing a blue streak tonight. No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Somebody
0: <even> knows me. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. That's right. Hey,
2: hey man.
1: yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry.
2: So, so, no. I was just gonna say, Dino. Before we let you go, man, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to pub uh, some of your upcoming events, and I know you've got one in Huntsville coming up here. Uh, pretty soon with yeah I'm the very Black excited men, about right? that I'm
0: excited about that first and foremost because they are bringing this event back live and from what I understand from a lot of my friends in Huntsville this is one of the premier social events in the Huntsville area and so I'm very excited I did it in mm-hmm. 2017 and 18 or 2018 and 19 and so we took a break obviously for the pandemic but I was super excited when they called me and said that uh, they were doing it live, not just for the opportunity for me to come and perform, but for people to get out and support what this organization does in the Huntsville area, especially for young black men and all the other things that they do in the community. So that is going to be Saturday, um, December 18th at the um, Von Braun Civic Center. And as you know, Dave, we did Jazz in the Park, which was a resounding success um back this summer and we're looking for other opportunities to do more stuff in huntsville i'm gonna reach out at some point i performed at the comedy club there and i apologize i forget the name of it um send up live yeah up live send so up uh, live. i performed there with george wallace a couple of years ago and so i need to get back in touch with them and do some stuff there because huntsville is a really good um, city for entertainment It's you know, I, I hate to say this, um, because my friend, uh, Ms. uh Cynthia Joyner reminded me who does real estate in Huntsville area, but Huntsville is now the largest city in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, Josh, so I, I, I said, cause the news had come out one day when I was up, there, I said, Uh, Ms. Joyner, that's only because I'm up here now. They just counted. So when I go back home, the numbers are going to shift again. That's right. (laughs) But we also do a lot of work here at the uh, Perfect Note Jazz Club in Birmingham, which is uh, fastly becoming one of the hottest jazz music listening venues in the country. Um, And we're doing a lot of stuff with boys and girls clubs across America. I've done um, some in Georgia and here in Birmingham. And so what we're really trying to do, Josh, is just spread some joy and laughter and allow people to have a really good time and so it's it's not about me it's just about having the opportunity to do something I think I'm really gifted at and I enjoy doing and, and people enjoy it and respond to it that's it so um I am living the dream man I, I've, I've had been to meet some amazing folks and just this is just great yeah, well, it's a uh, joy and laughter is uh, I think we
1: all could use uh, could use a little bit more of that and, and and listen, it I'll say uh it has been a joy and there's been lots of laughter here, especially when we started making fun of Dave earlier. Uh oh, yeah. but uh it's uh, you know, it was uh, down I thought Dave that's
0: to be his nickname. <laughs> <him> down, Dave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, 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 you know man it's been great to have you on we really do appreciate you coming in and spending an extra amount of time uh and and i hope we you know we don't get you in trouble with your financial institution uh where you're the executive <laughs> vP I,
0: I think we're gonna be all right listen thank you guys uh for what y'all do and for making so folks so aware of what's happening politically in alabama uh, i know that you guys are the source for a lot of people in terms of keeping up with the real real so thank you guys for what y'all do all yes, right. sir. All yes, right, sir. Dino. Oh man, uh,
2: that you, was bro. great.
1: That was that was awesome. That was really, really awesome. Uh it really was. Uh Dino was good. And and like I said, it uh it, you I mean when, when he the funniest part was when he started making fun of you. I just you know, it was so so much fun. Oh, we don't get enough of that on the show, I don't think. We need to get more guests that make fun
2: of Dave. That's what to we need. Make to do. fun of me specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me,
1: well, me. I mean, everybody makes fun of me, and they take <laughs> shots, and so it's you nice every now and then.
2: Yeah, that's true. You you get yeah. you're a target a lot. That is yeah. True. Look at our that emails, for God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah. Every that's one good of point.
1: them. Good every point. one of them. That yeah. professional Dave really brings <laughs> a nice touch to the show and polishes up that turd, Josh Moon. You know.
2: It's just the voice. It's the voice. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't think that's
1: it's, what it, it is. It's just
2: because of my voice.
1: Uh, uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, we'll come back right. and wrap this baby up uh, for, you know, and, and get out of here for a few weeks after this. So uh, Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Take a break. All, all right. That's right. Much needed. Much deserved. Because, really, we're working hard here. So. <laughs>
2: all right. Alabama politics this week. We'll be back in a minute.
1: Alrighty, welcome back, uh, man. That was uh, that was funny time with uh, with Dino. <laughs> D- Dino got you good, man. Dino had you good. Yeah, uh, he got me. He got me. Uh, that's that's listen. That's that's how it goes some days, man. Some days you're the windshield, some days the bug. You know.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I you, like that analogy. You know, but Okay, you, hey, listen. You've been the windshield a lot,
1: my man. You've been the windshield <laughs> a lot. Okay. <laughs> The day of the bug.
2: Yeah, that was funny though. He was yeah, funny. He's, he he's, was. Dino's my man. He's he's a uh, funny guy.
1: Get him on again sometime. That was a lot of fun. Um. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, well, not funny things, I guess. Uh, I, there's really no transition there, so I, let me just do it this way. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, have you followed the uh, the Mark Meadows texting uh text messages oh, and stuff in Congress? Yeah, yeah. uh absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think what I found most interesting, uh, was that, um, it's now it should be clear to people now that, um, you know, I, I, there's a part of me that hesitates to say this only because I'm a real free speech, no censorship kind of guy, but there's a real and I don't like to hear people just dumping on the media and dumping on the news media, but there's a real problem at Fox news. (laughs) Yeah. There's a real problem. And I, and I, and what I mean by that is, you know, there is a, they operate, they seem to operate with a mindset that, it's okay to not be transparent. It's okay to have this sort of duality Mm -hmm. and it's okay for them to, on the one hand, um, you know, act in a panic and fear on January the 6th. But then on the other hand, you know, come out and champion, you know, basically take the exact opposite view that they took in private. You know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about Sean. I'm talking about Ingram. I'm talking about you know those others who were texting Meadows in a panic yep. and hey, you got to do something. Get get Trump to act. But then on the air, they're saying the exact opposite. Yeah, blaming Antifa. That's, they were blaming Antifa just, and yeah, left I mean, wing. That's yeah, just so yeah. <clears throat> even though I know they're not journalists, they're <laughs> you know yeah. they're Their air quotes are appropriate. Yes, they are.
3: Yeah,
1: they're hey. what. Uh, The air quotes are appropriate that you're doing journalists, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, they're Uh, they're entertainers, or or you can say they're opinion um, uh, personalities or something, but they're not journalists. But still, there's something to me that's unethical about that. Oh, yeah. Listen, they were serving... serving
1: you you want you look at what they were doing, and, and this has been this has been happening a bunch of different times. It's come out in a bunch of different ways, where uh, all of a sudden these text messages or emails or or phone conversations will come to light, where Sean Hannity uh, has called up Trump to give him advice on what to say about certain things yeah. or, you know, to tell them about how certain things are appearing, you know, and, you know, what the image they're projecting is or, or, you know, or, or a better way to handle this. And, uh, and, and Ingram texting, you know, Meadows and saying, you know, he's, he's ruining his legacy, uh, you know, and, you know, that's basically serving as the PR wing yeah. for,
2: for the, you know, now, uh, gosh, and, if, if they were upfront about that, if they just simply said, you know what, you know, I talked to the president. I told him this is mm-hmm. what I think ought to happen, and I think that's what's best for the country. I could accept that. Yeah. I could accept transparency. Yes, but this sort of, you know, sort of positioning yourself as and uh, a an, an opinionated but but still objective arbiter of politics and society. Yeah, and then on the other hand, you're feeding the guy. Uh, uh-uh. uh-uh. yeah. That well, work. That, that's unethical. I tell you, the other thing that gets me is, it, 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 well,
1: there's two other things. The the where they just completely fabricated uh, what was taking place there uh, in the days afterwards, uh, where they called it Antifa, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then and then you know they blamed it on the Capitol Police and and took shots at them. Yeah, that uh, was and then, inspicable. yes, it was. That was really and, expect- you know, and it just, they're, they're, they are, though. That's why, that's the way that these people are. They're, they're very, they're very despicable people. Um, and, but, you know, it, it's a, um, it's, this is the problem that we have, uh, now, though, you know, where, uh, where we have this extra loud megaphone, as President Obama referred to Fox News, that is shouting out to half the country. Uh, these things, and they the, the rest of the country is only paying attention to the megaphone and nothing else, and other things are not penetrating that bubble, and you know, and it you you wonder, uh, I mean, I I don't uh, there there was another thing I saw yesterday. I think I tweeted it out yesterday. It was a it was a chart showing uh, the death rates among people based on their vote in the last election, the last presidential election. Um, and this chart showed the up and down movements of, of Republicans and, uh, you know, and, and Democrats and, mm. and and the death rates for this. And so because I've often wondered what what would penetrate the bubble? You know, would it, it, it I mean, how many times can you be wrong about things which they've been wrong a shit ton? OK, a mm. lot. And, mm-hmm. and they've made their followers look like utter fools at times over over a variety of different things. Um, and you know I and now they're you know they're they're out here pushing this thing about uh, well I can't believe your text messages aren't safe anymore from these people. This is right. this is the same network that spent two years broadcasting out Hillary's emails, emails that were hacked and 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 they got from a hostile foreign government. You mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. And, and so but at what at what point does does all I mean the Benghazi stuff, the Hillary stuff? It all fell apart, all of it. The the voter mm-hmm. fraud stuff in the election. None of that is true. At what point do you do? Or would they be willing to say, well, you know, maybe maybe these guys are are lying to us, you know, maybe? And it turns yeah. out, not even death is driving them away from there. Not yeah. even death.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. Um, <clears throat> I think. Um, I was reading this piece in The Atlantic uh, while I was sitting in the airport uh, last night uh, where this, uh, this writer was really, had talked to some of the very kinds of people you're talking about. And it's, it's just, there's a willful delusion that's going on with people. And, and again, to me, I, I, you know, I want to be really explicit here. I'm not saying that a person can't be a conservative. I'm not saying they can't be a Republican. But I'm just saying to buy the garbage that Trump is selling Mm -hmm. and that Fox News has been um, enabling him to sell uh, is really just, I I, I can only come up with, it's just there's a willful delusion there. Like you said, how credible can it be for Sean, and I I say Sean because I've, I've known Sean for years, for Sean to sit up there uh on fox news and 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 whine about the lack of privacy because some mm-hmm. of his text messages to the President are out there when at the very same time, like you pointed out, you know nobody was whining about privacy with the with the Hillary email uh mm-hmm. situation, you know people understood you know for better or for worse, and I know we can debate it and all of that. But there was a uh there was a a relevant well I won't say irrelevant, but there was a um there was a process that was that was that was uh you know a congressional process that was being engaged in. We can certainly question the process and question the motives and and all of that, but the outcome certainly speaks for itself. This is no different. this is a congressional process that's being undertaken legitimately and um and and lawfully and in fact meadows gave up the text messages. Yeah. So if you're gonna be mad at anybody, why are you why are you mad at Congress? You ought to yeah, be mad at Meadows. I just it it's
1: um you know it is it's it's disheartening to a point um uh, you know to to know that there's just nothing that, that some people are going to to continue down this childish because it is childish. I mean, you know, at at a point, listen, I I, I can I can dislike uh, a number of people, no matter whether they have a, a D or an R beside their name. Okay. And I mean, and I've proven that with uh, Kirsten Cinema and and Joe Manchin, um, and and at times what you know, I was very unhappy with the way Bernie Sanders behaved um, and and staying in the race and doing different things and encouraging people, uh, you know that that led basically to Trump being elected in a lot of ways, uh, you know. I, so I've been, even though I agree with a lot of what Bernie Sanders uh, has to say about the uh, the mindset that's killing us, uh, killing the working class in this country, um, I, I you know. And that's all I'm asking for other people. I don't want you to change anything, but here's what I do want you to do. If you tell me that you're a conservative and you love conservatism, all right, where the hell are the policies? Mm-hmm. What, what policies are y'all putting out there uh, that, that's changing anything? You know, what do you want to do with 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 the economy? What do you you can't just be opposed to everything. At some point you're going to have to actually do stuff. And you don't have nobody that you're electing actually does anything except oppose other people's ideas. And <laughs> you know, and it's just and now you and because you've you've sunk to this level, now you're having to rely on just garbage. And that's the person that you elected last time for president was a piece of garbage. And, you know, because he delved into racism and played upon uh, nationalism and did all of this stuff. That's the reason why he became popular with a number of people, not because he had great ideas and great policies, because let me tell you, they all sucked. All right. They did. All of them sucked. He killed everything he touched. Uh, from farmers to workers to the stupid tariffs to—I mean, all of it was uh, just horseshit. It was, mm-hmm. and you know what? That's all right. Okay. that—that's my Christmas rant. Okay, that's
2: my right. Christmas rant. Right. That's a, that's your gift to us.
1: Yes, yes. There you go. There you go. You elected a piece of garbage, and that's what you got out of it. Um, and <laughs> you know, come up with some yeah. ideas and and actually govern, and then I'd have a hell of a lot more respect for a lot of you. Yeah, and and, yeah. and for who you're supporting, all right. And I, but I mean, if you, you're
2: right. Mo Brooks has built his career on that. Uh, yes, Margie Taylor Green—that's all she's about. I mean, yeah. it's it's. it's that's the
1: reason why, I, why we both respect
2: Richard Shelby,
1: you yeah, know
2: exactly.
3: Exactly.
1: And, that, I'm not telling you what to be politically. I'm telling you how to act like a leader and act like you know, and come that's up right. and support people who have ideas and and morals and. You know, goals for things and not some dipshit that's going to stand up and scream about brown people, you know?
2: <laughs> right.
1: Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. I wish you a Merry
2: Christmas. <laughs> I wish you. Uh... <laughs> so, uh,
1: all right. Speaking of, speaking of, we got to get out of here. David's got, David's a busy man. So he's got to go. Um, uh, and we're going to get ourselves out of here. Uh, but our, our right, not before you get a Christmas right-wing nut of the, uh, of the week or possibly of our lifetimes, uh-huh. um, and uh, that is Tommy Tuberful, who yeah. also has no ideas and wouldn't know how to present one if he had it. Um, <laughs> so Tommy, in tearing down the Build Back Better Act, uh, said, apparently, one of the goals of, of Republicans is to attack the child tax credit that's going out uh, to, to a number of families across the country. This thing that has lifted millions of children, millions, mm. 38 million children out of poverty is, mm. is what I saw yesterday. Uh, the report, I, I, it was a nonpartisan uh, report uh, that lifted these kids up uh, out of poverty. The greatest uh, anti-poverty legislation in, in the history of the country. Um, they're attacking this. And Tommy Tuberville last week said that Democrats were seeking to quote,
3: tear down the American family through the child tax credit.
2: Yeah. I, I don't understand. Um, I, his logic is uh, I don't understand his logic. Like, and especially when you consider that, uh, I think you might be applying
1: logic where there is none. Uh, well, but, you know.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you consider that Republicans, uh, generally speaking, you know, uh, love a good tax credit. You uh-huh. know, especially when it's it's being applied to wealthy people and corporations. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, but but not these deadbeats the who problem. are going
1: to use it to feed their children,
2: right? Which, again, goes back to my premise that there's something very insidious that's baked into the American mindset when it comes to capitalism. And I think they really believe that some people, just due to their standing in life, regardless of potential, regardless of what history, cards, history has dealt them or anything else, they just believe, I think, that it's appropriate for them to suffer. I yeah.
1: I I can only assume that you are correct. And I, I, it it bothers me to no end when these people automatically assume the worst out of the people who are working the hardest every day uh, that they paint them with this broad brush. That is always negative. That is always, that always leaves them as the villain that's stealing your money, the stealing the good white people's money that you're out there working for. Uh, in the meantime, it all it does is do exactly what we talked about earlier is turn working class people against each other when we're the ones that have the absolute most in common regardless of race or religion or whatever and it, it, it's it's killed us. It's killed us for years and we keep buying so many people keep buying into this shit and it just drives me nuts. So, all right. We got to get ourselves out of here. Uh, yes, that's it. That's yes, it. Sir. That's all we're doing. We're not ranting about anything else. You got to, to carry these rants are going to, have to carry you through until next year. So, that's all there is. Hey, uh, have a happy Christmas, uh, Dave.
2: You too, man. You and, too. Uh, all the best and, to and the family.
1: Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, Andy, and to yours as well. And uh, we'll be back in, in uh, I can't remember, the 5th or 6th or something like that mm-hmm. uh, of, of January. And uh, until then,
2: all y'all right. be safe out there. Peace.